out to get a job, not gonna rob a bank, not gonna win the lottery. Welcome back to Shots Fired. My name is Jacob Shots. It's Tuesday, February 7th, 2017, and I still don't have a real job. I was gonna give you your tweetered feet for today, but I realize that the process that I've been using to pick tweetered feats is probably a little on the sub-side of ethical than I'd prefer. I had been picking up tweets that I found on my Twitter feed that seemed pretty cool, and that, mm, I mean, I'm giving credit but I'm not checking with folks before I feature their tweet. So I, I found an alternative solution for the time being. And the alternative solution is that I've gone and created a system that can help me bring really good content. I've created a neural network that goes and combines inspirational quotes with video game references. And I think this is gonna have the effect of creating tweets that are relatable for the kids and get stuff that's really good. So uh, without further ado, let me just Run this system real quick, and... Alright. <clears throat> Your tweetered feat for today is, You miss 100% of the pots you don't break. Attributed to Zelda Gretzky. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Folks, you'll have to excuse me for a second while I put this neural network in the garbage. And, um... I've got an idea. Currently, on the Patreon, you can submit a Tweetered feat for five bucks a month. I don't want to go and dig for more folks. We've got two people signed up at that level, and that's fine, and that's cool. But for this month, I'm going to say that anybody who signs up during this month, the first 15 people to sign up at any level, one dollar or more, any level on the Patreon, will get a Tweetered feat for the month of February. If you donate at the $5 level, you can get one for March, once that payment gets processed, and you'll have a spot in there. But I just want to have some sort of meaningful message that I'm not stealing from people and that I'm not getting from that network. Oh. At any rate, on to better things. I have a first listen of 2017 for you, and it is Seal's second self-titled album. He put out a self-titled album in 1991 and then put out another same self-titled album in 94. It's a little bit weird, but this is the one with Kiss from a Rose on it, because I'd be lying if I said I wanted to check out a Seal album for anything other than Kiss from a Rose. I love it as a single. I love it as a song. But I was pleasantly surprised to find that the rest of the album was also pretty good. Pretty good. It's a lot of highly produced 90s pop, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I did like that Seal wrote all of the songs on it himself. He had helped on a couple of them, but it's still mostly his work, and that's great. And it's got a lot of soul to it, which is nice. Seal's voice is not the typical pop star voice. It's a little bit lower, which makes it accessible to me as a guy with a lower voice, and I like having that, that I can kind of sing along in the same key, you know? The same octave. These compositions are solid. They're not out of this world, and I think the production is really what's bogging it down just a little bit. It's not bad, but it's not really to my taste, because some of the production lays over his voice, it does. It gets in the way instead of enhancing his voice, which is a little bit tough to deal with when the voice is kind of the draw. But it's led me to feel like the rest of his repertoire is worth checking out. So, 
I also recommend it to you. In fact, it then went me to go and find an acoustic version of Kiss from a Rose also on his Spotify, and that felt great. That was like exactly what I wanted. That had his voice way at the forefront. The instrumentation was really stripped down and pared down and felt good, but still kept that sweet little chord progression that I like. Just, this is a good starter album, and since my sensibilities have been opening up to more pop, this is a good pop record to start delving into it. Seal, colloquially referred to as Seal 2, Roman numeral 2. You can find that anywhere records are sold. It went quadruple platinum. What do you want? Next up, I have your magic card art for the day. Your magic card art for today is Dance of Many, with art by Sandra Everingham. Sandra Everingham is mostly known for doing early magic art. She didn't stay on with the art team for too, too long, but she's got some pretty cool iconic art pieces. She did the original art for a card called Giant Growth, which is a quintessential power-boosting spell. And it's got this giant rat that looks real cool. I like her art style. Dance of Many, I don't think it's the style that's getting in the way of this one. There are many here, but many of what, I'm not entirely sure. The art depicts a really nicely rendered staircase with a door at the top and some cool, ornate, arcane-looking walls. And ascending the staircase are winged mollusks, slugs that are fairies, flower snakes. You be the judge. I don't know. <laughs> they're pink, they're serpentine, they're winged, but not with any sort of normal organization of wings. They might have antenna, or that could just be something else protruding from the top of their head. I don't know what it is. This art is really weird, but... I kind of like it. The colors are really nice because they're, the steps themselves are blue-green, and then the background, both whatever is through that door, and then the walls and the, the pillars around the entryway are these deep, rich purple that I love. And the creatures that are here are bright pink, like salmon pink, so they really stand out against the background and they look just totally otherworldly. And I won't bog you down with the specifics of what the card's doing, but it doesn't seem to be doing anything that would look like this, which is even funnier. Oh, I just love these little guys. I'd treat them as pets if they didn't look, like, proportional to the size of a human, really. Dance of Many does come from a set called The Dark, and The Dark wasn't the worst set in Magic's history, but it was pretty weird. The Dark featured a couple of orcs, which Magic doesn't typically have orcs, it has goblins. And it's got whatever is going on in this image, which I, I really, really can't place this. There's nothing else in the game that looks like this. It's not like it's referencing a weird creature type that I just haven't seen before. No, there's a card called Catacomb Slug, and it doesn't even look like these guys. And it was years after this. That's the only thing that I can approximate this to. If you have any idea what Dance of Many is depicting, please tell me. Because it looks pretty cool. And this is the kind of dance party that I might want to get in on. All in all, well-composed, good use of colors and... The subject matter is the only thing that gets in the way of the art, but it's it's cool, it's weird, it's magic. So thank you, Sandra Everingham, for your magic card art for the day, Dance of Many. Games are good, and I regret to inform you that an MMO has taken its hooks in me once again. This time, the perpetrator is Path of Exile. Path of Exile is a game that I played for a little bit a few years back, and now... I've fallen right back into it harder than ever before. 
If you're familiar with a game like Diablo, then you have a very, very good idea of how Path of Exile works. You go around defeating monsters, picking up gear, upgrading your gear, getting new skills, like in an RPG. All the combat is real-time, it takes some just tactical consideration of where you are, how much damage you're taking, and what damage you can deal out. Your character is defined by three attributes. Strength, intelligence, and dexterity. These do about what you'd expect. Strength makes you deal more damage, dexterity makes you dodge more damage, intelligence gives you spells. There are two things about Path of Exile that I really like about it. The first is the active skill system. Active skills come in the form of gems that you can slot into your armor or your weapons. The weapons that you pick up will have a random assortment of gem slots on them, and these take the color of the three attributes, strength, dexterity, and intelligence. There are also skill gems that have an associated color. So a red gem, a strength gem, might do a power attack of some kind. A green gem might have a trap that you can set, or a movement option that you have. And then a blue gem would be like a spell of some kind, like I cast flames, or spark, or whatever. When you put these into your armor or weapons, you can then use that skill. And as you level up, your skill gems also level up with you. This is cool because it means that any character can accumulate these spells and train up in the use of those spells and have them get better as you, as a character, level up, and that's nice. The other part of the game that I absolutely adore is the passive skill system. The passive skill system has 1,325 skills that you can pick when leveling up, and all of these skills connect to other skills in a grand network that, if you see the whole thing plotted out, it's just gorgeous. It's like a work of art. And every skill that you can get is connected to every other skill. And the only prerequisite to getting any skill that's on this giant web is to get a skill that's next to it. There is a class system like in a lot of RPGs. You can play as a witch, a marauder, a templar. All that your class does is tell you where you start on this gigantic skill web. You're given a starting point and then you can pick from one of two skills when you do your first level up and it just balloons out from there. What this means, though, is because every skill is connected to every other skill, no matter where you start on this web, you can go and get any skill with enough time and perseverance. But it's easier to get skills earlier on that are near where you start out, so that's where your character class matters. This invites so many character options. You can generalize and get all the skills that are near your starting class skills, and just get really good at a plethora of class-related abilities. Or you can forge a trail and go straight for the abilities that you really want, no matter where they are on the tree. You just have to take a little forethought and plot your course on this skill map. I prefer doing the latter because I like making specific characters. The character that I'm working on right now is a pyromancer. So I started off with the spells-only class, the witch, and then forged a trail to any skill that would get me more damage from fire-based spells. And because I'm a nerd, I named my character after a Magic the Gathering character, Chandra. Except Chandra was already taken, as was Chandra, and Chandra, and Nalar, which is her last name. So I put a T in front of her name, so now I have Chandra. That counts. There's a lot of other stuff in Path of Exile, but the two skill systems were the first things that I thought of. 
There's some deep lore that you can get into by talking to everybody, which is fun. It's a really good solo experience because when you go into a particular level, it's basically all yours unless you have a party with you. So you don't have to worry about fighting over resources with other people. You can just sort of grind through the level and use it tactically and that's fun. It's the kind of MMO that I can really enjoy because it only drags me into the public when I really need to work with them. But the rest of the game is just building up this character, learning all sorts of skills, playing tactically, and having a great, great time with my own personal build out of this gigantic realm of possibilities. So if any of that sounds appealing, I highly recommend you go check out Path of Exile. It's on Steam. It's free to play, which is super, super good. It's got some microtransactions that I haven't really looked into yet, but those are available if you want to spend the dough. You can find it also on pathofexile.com. They have the full skill tree up there, so you can see if this is maybe too overwhelming for you. And lastly, I have your Twitter good follow for today. Your Twitter good follow is at Malky. David Malky has been a source of inspiration for me for quite a while. In fact, his was the very first podcast that I ever listened to in my life. He ran a really cool show with his friend Chris Straub called Tweet Me Harder. And it was a live show where you could tweet along with it in a hashtag. And then they'd bring some of your comments into the show and use them to riff for a while. It was fantastic. And I actually got on the air a couple times. It got on their website a couple times. And that was really cool. And then I, years later, I went and met him at a con and made an absolute fool of myself because I was into Homestuck at the time and he was right next to Andrew Hussey, so I bet I made him feel great. But David Malky's work is super cool. He does a webcomic called Wondermark, which is done in the style of old, old school magazines and newspapers, but with modern sensibilities in the dialogue and has just some of the funniest situational comedy that I've ever seen in my life. And it's hard to characterize what Malky does besides just the webcomic, because he does a lot of stuff. I like to kind of categorize it under original collectibles, in a sense. He makes this calendar that is four weeks shown at a time, but you shift two weeks at a time. So it's two plaques, two wooden slats, with two weeks of time for that particular year showing. In this way, you get... 24 slats for each yearly calendar, and they're really cool. They're unique artwork, and he has a new theme for them every single year, and it's amazing. He also has the Wondermark character cards, which take one-off or recurring characters from Wondermark, and when you donate to a certain level for his Patreon or for a calendar thing, you can get the character card with it. Oh, and Malky is the king of... Kickstarters. Just so many Kickstarters that have succeeded and been backed. I backed the Machine of Death game that he made, which is based on the book, which is based on the idea by Ryan North, which is there's a machine that will tell you how you will die, but with pinpoint ambiguity. It is, it is never wrong, but you might not understand what it is. He made a card game, a storytelling card game out of that, which was phenomenal, and I have the hard copy of that, and it's great. Basically, Malky just continually makes cool stuff that would otherwise probably never even be thought of as a thing that could or should exist. For all of this, and for the fact that he's just a generally good guy and a fun person to hear from regularly on Twitter, I recommend David Malky, at Malky, M-A-L-K-I, on Twitter, because he is a very, very good follow. And folks, that's just about gonna do it for us today. Just as a reminder, if you donate $1 or more on Patreon, if you're one of the first 15 people to do that, you can get a Tweetered Feet 
on this show for this month. Patreon.com slash Opal Nebula. Speaking of which, if you want to hear more episodes of the show, you can go to OpalNebula.com. New episodes drop Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays. And while you're there, check out the other shows that we have. Talking Atlas, a show that I do with my friend Bryce about Magic the Gathering. Or Album Club 500, a show that I do with my friend 27 about the Rolling Stone magazine's top 500 albums of all time. And if you want to keep up with me specifically, you can find me on Twitter as at Frogger, spelled P-H-R-A-W-G-E-R. Shots Fired's theme song is Aged, written by Rand Belavia and Adam English and performed by Ookla the Mock. It's off their album Less Than Art, and I adore that album and I adore that song, so I'm so thankful that they let me use it as my theme song for this show. Go check out their music, ukladnamak.com. And once again, thank you all for listening. I will see you on Thursday. Cute,